0: So please follow along as I read Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for providing it. We thank you for preserving it for us. Uh, We pray, Father, that uh, as we look into Romans 12 today, that you would uh, speak to us through your word, that your word would penetrate our hearts and minds and change us from the inside out. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. I pray that you would help me to speak with clarity today. And uh, that you would be glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me first of all say that nothing I'm going to share today is new to anyone probably in this room. Um, But rather, it's simply to remind us of what we must never forget. And that is we've got to be all in for God. We have to be all in for God. It's basic Christianity. We call it Christianity 101, if you will. But it's, it's something that we all must commit to. So before we jump into the text, let's get our bearings a little bit. So, of course, this letter to the Romans is from Paul It's to the believers in Rome. And up until this point, Paul had not actually visited Rome, but he had received reports about the, uh, the believers there. In Romans, like many of Paul's letters, is divided into two major sections. So there's the doctrinal or theological section and then the practical section. And so in Romans, we see that chapters 1 through 11 are that doctrinal section. And you could call it Paul's systematic theology book, if you will. And then we transition into uh, chapter 12 through 16. We see the practical outworking of that theology. So chapters 12 through 16 answer this question. How should those who have been justified by grace respond in their everyday lives? Or, as Francis Schaeffer stated it, how should we then live? This question, which troubled Schaeffer so much when he wrote the book by that title in 1976, deserves our attention today. We're about to find out if Christians, all of us, not just you, in this generation, are going to believe and live out authentic biblical Christianity. So, first one, um, we see that Paul is urging or encouraging us. Paul uses the word, therefore, to signal that transition between the theological and the practical sections of the letter. We... uh, The basis of Paul's exhortation here is God's mercy. We need God's mercy because of our sinful nature. But what exactly are these mercies that should inspire believers to dedicate themselves to God? We simply need to look back to Romans 1 through 11 to see the great benefits God has given to man. I'm assigning this as homework, so I know everybody, especially you guys, will be excited about this. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go back and go through all chapter 1 through 11, but you can work on that homework this afternoon uh, or maybe this week. But you need to do that so you can verify what I'm telling you is true. But let's look at the summary and uh, just listen to this list of mercies from 1 through 11. Promises the gift of righteousness, justification by faith. Peace, grace, atonement, eternal life, union with Christ, newness of life, victory over the power of sin, freedom from condemnation, gift of the Holy Spirit, adoption into God's family, assurance of salvation, and Jesus' intercession for us in prayer. So a proper understanding of God's. Mercies should lead us to thankfulness. Mercy is God's love in action. In his mercy, God redeems all who come to him for forgiveness. He offers us this great gift, not because of anything we've done, but because of the work of Christ on the cross. So, again, my first point, if you're following along, is a proper understanding of God's mercy should lead us to thankfulness. Are you a thankful believer Are you crusty, negative, and generally unpleasant? As people listen to you and watch you, what do they see? What do they observe? Do you point others to Christ by your words and actions? Secondly, verse 1 also describes what it means to respond to God's extravagant grace, His indescribable gift of Jesus. By going all in, being a living sacrifice for Christ. So my second point is, out of gratitude for what Christ has done, we should live lives of total commitment. This is not a call for just a select few believers. It's for all of us. Giving all of ourselves over to, our, to God is an acknowledgement that he gave all for us in, his, in our salvation. The picture reflects the Old Testament sacrifices where an entire animal was placed on the altar and sacrificed as an offering to God. But as a royal priesthood, we do not offer animals bodies on a uh, altar, but with the spiritual sacrifice of our own, our entire being, we completely surrender and commit our lives to Christ. We are to present our entire being as an offering to God by dedicating ourselves to his purposes and willingly submitting to his plan for our lives. We should do this out of gratitude for the deliverance we've received from death to life. In verse one, we see the phrase spiritual worship. And this can be translated as reasonable service or true and proper service. So in light of Christ's sacrifice, we should respond in gratitude and then be totally committed to serving him. This is our only only reasonable response. So just how committed and surrendered are you to Christ? In verse two, Paul states general implications of a believer's offering of his life as a sacrifice. My third and final point, I know you guys are excited. I'm already on the third point, right? The third one's a little longer, so. um, Is Paul's call on believers to offer our lives as a sacrifice requires us to have transformed lives. Such an offering represents a complete change in lifestyle. Involving both a negative and a positive aspect. The two commands in verse 2, do not be conformed and be transformed require a continuing believer. Do not be conformed to this world has been paraphrased by the commentator Phillips as don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. My mental image here is not of someone molding or forming clay or a ball of cookie dough, but of a metal press. How many of you in here um, ever watch modern marvels or how things are made on the History Channel? Anybody else? Good. I'm glad I'm not the only nerd in the room today. So uh, it's great. Good stuff. It's good stuff. But anyway, you know, the image I have is that you have this metal press that, um, you know, is coming down on a piece of steel with 100 tons of force. It's not a pleasant image. It's not a pleasant experience. And that's what it's like to be in the world, regardless of the item you choose from the world's agenda, whether it's worshiping the creation rather than the creator, the moral or sexual revolution, abortion, pornography, gene edited babies, human, a humanistic worldview, and the list can go on and on. They are all attack on the biblical worldview don't be a victim. You must be prepared for the battle. Let me take a quick look at an example for you of this. So Israel Falau. I don't know about you, but up until a month ago, I'd never heard of Israel Folau. Israel Folau is or was a uh, professional rugby player in Australia and evidently pretty good. He just signed a four million dollar contract. So um So he must be very good. But as of last Friday, uh, he was fired by Rugby Australia. And you might ask, well, why? Well, here's why. Uh, A month ago, he posted on Twitter this quote. Warning. Drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, and idolaters. Hell awaits you. Repent. Only Jesus saves. He was fired for this. As you might guess, Philal was quickly and almost universally condemned for his hate speech. Do any of you recognize what he was referencing? He's simply citing 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. So you may think, like I do, this was unjust. Um, And you may also say, you know what, we can debate the merits of whether or not Twitter is the right place to post something like this. But I don't want to talk about the method. I want to talk about the message. Right. So his message is a quote from the Bible. Um, But in today's culture. We should not be surprised that quoting the Bible can get you accused of hate speech. My point in sharing this story is simply to make sure we have our eyes wide open and see what's going on around us, because the world is constantly changing. It's constantly trying to press us into its mold. So be prepared to stand on the truth of God's word. And don't be surprised when the persecution comes in Paul's letter to Titus. He states in Titus two eleven and 12. Because the grace of God has been poured out on us through the sacrifice of his only son, bringing us salvation, let us renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. When God's mercy takes hold of us, our minds experience a transformation. For the first time, we see that his ways are best. And when our minds are transformed, our bodies soon follow. We will want to glorify God in all that we do. It is in the use of our bodies that we bring glory to God as we are transformed into Christ-likeness. Grace should not leave us unaffected. Grace does not lead to apathy in the believer. Just the opposite should be true. The words do not be conformed point to the fact that we are a new creation. Colossians 2 6 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Graduates, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer a victim of or at the mercy of the world or the ruler of this world. You have victory over sin and its power. The next phrase we'll look at is be transformed. Here, the verb form of the word be means keep on being transformed. It is the idea of continuous change and action. One of my favorite verses ties in with this idea. Jesus states in Luke 9:23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is more than a one time commitment. The word transformed in the Greek is where we get the word metamorphosis, meaning a total change from the inside out. Second Corinthians 318 says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This is not externalism. Paul was a master of that before his conversion. This is a cause of those who are accepted by God in Jesus to become all that God wants us to be. So you may be asking, what exactly does a transformed life look like? Well, let's read verses 9 through 21 of Romans 12 to see how Paul answers that question. As I read the passage, though, follow along and perform your own spiritual inventory and see how much your life has been transformed. So starting in verse 9. I'm going to read slow. Some would say for emphasis, I would say just because I'm a slow reader. So uh, just follow along. I won't go too fast. But think about these as I go through them. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These are the signs of a true growing Christian. So how do you measure up? As I mentioned earlier, this is a section in my study that convicted me the most. Please don't think of this as a legalistic checklist. Rather, remember, Paul's intent in this passage is to encourage us. If you struggle at times to know what to pray, and don't we all have that at times? Boy, I would encourage you. (laughs) Turn to Romans 9, 12 through 21 um, and pray that God would transform you in these specific areas of your life. If you're like me, you'll be camped out there for a, a while. The mind is a control center of one's attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and actions. Ephesians 4:22 and 23 say, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. As a believer's mind is being made new by spiritual input of God's word, whether that's reading the word, listening to the teaching of the word, Or perhaps meditating on the word, as well as in prayer and in Christian fellowship, his lifestyle keeps on being transformed. It matters. It matters what we watch, it matters what we read, it matters who we spend time with, it matters what we put in our minds. These are deliberate decisions. Deliberate decisions that are controllable with the aid of the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a status quo when it comes to our sanctification. That's a contradiction in terms. You are either growing and becoming more like Christ, or you're being pressed into the mold that the world wants. There's no neutral ground here. As we are transformed, our ability to ascertain God's will is sharpened. When Paul refers to God's will as good, acceptable, and perfect, these are not attributes of God's will. Rather, God's will itself is good, acceptable, and perfect. His will is best. As a believer is transformed in his mind and is made more like Christ, he comes to desire God's will. Not his own for his life, but only by being renewed spiritually can a person ascertain, do, and enjoy God's will. So, graduates, I tell you, there's such potential and opportunity ahead of you. Make an impact on the world for God. Don't look back in 10 or 20 or 30 years with regret and think what I could have done for the kingdom. Be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you. Live in such a way As to cause the world to be shaped by the gospel. And here are a few practical suggestions for you. First, join a Bible-believing and teaching church family. Serve God by serving others. Don't be a spiritual lone ranger. Be in the Word daily. Listen to this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until at last you come to talk in scriptural language and your spirit is flavored with the word of the Lord and the very essence of the Bible flows from you. Is that your desire? Live a consistent and disciplined life, one that others can emulate, because guess what? At some point you're going to have a spouse, perhaps you're going to have children. They're going to look at you, be someone they can emulate, confess your sin daily. Keep a short account with God. Don't let anything hinder your relationship with him. Show forgiveness to others, especially when the world would say they don't deserve it. Own your sanctification. You must work at it daily. Don't try to find your self-worth in social media or anything or anyone else, for that matter. Other than Christ, he's the only one that will not fail you. The next few years of your life will be transformational, either for good or bad. And trust me, they will fly by. You can ask people in here that are in college or out of college, how quickly these next four years will go by. Many of you will find their spouse, start a career, maybe even start a family, among other major life experiences. Seize the moment and the opportunity before you. Commit right now. Commit right now to honor and glorify God with your lives. When you think back over your four years of high school and all the achievements and experiences that you've had, realize that the next four years are going to be even busier and more impactful. Whatever you do, don't leave Jesus behind. Hang on to him with everything you have. How many of you remember the Bible character Demas? Not a big one on our radar, but we don't know a lot about him. But in Second Timothy four nine, it says that Demas was in love with the world and deserted the faith. Don't be a demas. Is every as everyone goes their separate ways after graduation, and you have opportunity to connect with one another, ask each other, are you being a Demas? Hold each other accountable. For many, the next few years will be marked by challenges and difficulties and disappointments. It's life. But these are also opportunities to experience special grace and be drawn closer to Jesus. Embrace the testing. Don't resist it. Don't avoid it. God is sovereign and in control. You can trust Him to be faithful even in the midst of the most challenging situations. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you're wondering, am I being transformed into Christ's likeness? In order for you to be transformed, you have to be in Christ. So my question is, are you in Christ? If you're not absolutely sure, don't wait another day. Confess your sin to Jesus. Accept his free salvation by simply believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day to purchase your salvation. Until you accept Christ, your efforts of transformation will only be met with frustration or legalism. Graduates, you've been well equipped by your family, by your churches, and Heritage Christian Academy. The teachers have equipped you with the tools to develop a Christian worldview. You're ready for this exciting next stage of your life. I truly believe that. Live a distinctively Christian life in which you cling to Christ each day. Be thankful totally committed and transformed for Christ, for his glory and your joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these graduates. And it's my prayer for them that uh, their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that they may approve what is excellent in Be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.